Welcome to the Living Out Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Steele, and on the show, we explore ways to use your difference to make a difference. Examining issues in social justice, LGBTQ rights and equality, and personal growth. Now, in my work as a coach, I primarily work with gay men, and I'm always looking to expand what I know and how I can take what I know to help other people grow, to think more critically, to think outside of the box, and not to be trapped within assumptions and presumptions. So I've been listening to Brene Brown quite a lot lately, reading a number of her books and listening to the audio series that was recorded. Um, It's about a six-hour investment of your time, but incredibly worth it on vulnerability. And of course, she talks a lot about shame and courage, and a couple of her books are Daring Greatly and Dare to Lead. And what she's talking about gives so much foundation to my own life, my own work, how I see myself as a gay man, as an LGBTQ, uh, as a member of the LGBTQ community, and and the, the things I want to make better in the world, the change that I want to see in the world. And this connection between shame and vulnerability and and gay shame and what that means has really been coming a lot coming up a lot in my mind especially in working with one of my clients and to respect his privacy I'm I'm not going to refer to him directly but I'll I'll touch on some things that he's been dealing with and how this all comes together so first of all I think I need to uh, preface what shame is and, and shame is how you or someone else makes you feel about yourself in a bad way, like you're a bad person, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not capable enough. Whereas guilt is recognizing that you made a bad choice or you're doing some bad behaviors. So you can respond to a situation in your life and say, oh my God, I was so stupid stupid for having done that. I'm such a horrible person. I can't believe I did that. And that's shame. Or you could say, whoa, that was a, that was a bad choice that I made yesterday. Um, wish I hadn't done that, but, um, I'm going to learn from that and I'm going to move on. So the latter guilt is, is a heck of a lot more empowering, right? It's, it's easier to be public with it. You could go talk with someone about it. You could say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry for you know what I said the other day. That was um, a bad choice that I made, and I shouldn't have used those words. But when you feel shame, and this is something Brene Brown really explains beautifully, it's like most of us shut down. And often, friends, family, make that shame worth worse without even knowing it. Now, and I don't necessarily mean that they might further shame us, that could happen. But often they'll be like, Oh, I'm so sorry for you. It's like, Oh, yeah, I know. And that doesn't do anything to take someone out of shame. 
For shame to dissipate, it needs its opposite. It needs empathy. And that's the art of being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and actually feel what they're feeling. And it's not always easy. And I was just thinking about my client that I've been back and forth with over the last while, who's dealing with something in his personal life. And, you know, the easiest thing for me to do would be to just say, oh, hey, don't worry about it. It's going to get better. That doesn't help. That that doesn't allow him to feel that I feel something. That doesn't allow him to find any way out of this. The least you can say, if you haven't experienced what that person is feeling, is I'm so sorry this is happening to you. This must be really difficult. Do you want to talk about it? I'm here for you. Being open without trying to fix the person's problem is 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 a difficult thing. I'm a fixer. I want to get right in there. And that's why I do coaching. And that's why I, uh, I'm sharing my message. I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to impart. I want people to think differently. And I want to jump in with strategies and solutions. But that doesn't help the individual make their own path out of shame. But the more that we can talk about shame, the more that we bring it into the light, so to speak. And again, going back to Brene Brown, she says, you know, the more you shine light on shame, the weaker it becomes. Because shame is often silent. It's suffered in silence. And and gay shame, the definition of that would be, you know, at whatever point you are an adult, you've, you've come out, or maybe you haven't come out, but the shame you have for being gay or being of a different identity than what the status quo says you should be, is rooted in the fact that if you were growing up through adolescence and knew you were different, the entire world around you, television, friends, family, even if, even if no one was attacking you directly, but the message you would get from the rest of the world is that gay is bad, straight is good, that there's no deviance, and that if you're doing this, there's something really wrong with you. And because you're too young, you internalize all of the negative messages and you believe it. Now, I talk about in a much earlier podcast why we need to, as gay men, forgive ourselves first to be over to be able to deal with and overcome that gay shame. But shame will rear its head often um, when somebody is really feeling it deeply as they either turn off and they go hide or they go further into the closet or they get defensive and they get combative and they try and push people away and they try and stop feeling any further emotions. And this is something I was seeing with my client. I, I had to give him his own space to voice his anger and just sometimes sit with that before we can shine a little bit more light on what's going on and being very careful not to respond to the anger, not to say, oh, you can't feel like this. This isn't true. That just puts the person further on the defensive and I know myself, that's exactly how I would respond 
if somebody was trying to tell me what I was feeling wasn't valid or that it was just going to get better, something that doesn't help like that. So I want to refer to Gay Men in the New Way Forward, the book by Raymond Rigoglioso. And I've mentioned him many times. And chapter 16 of the book talks about one of the gay male gifts, that gay men are models of authenticity and courage, cleansers of shame. So I'm just going to read the first paragraph. In the mid to late 20th century, gay men and lesbians did something remarkable and, until that point, unthinkable. We came out. No longer content to wear masks, to hide and endure treatment as second-class citizens, we risked everything so that we could live our truth openly and without shame. So we're going to break there. Risk and courage are huge aspects of being vulnerable. And you can't be vulnerable without courage. And the more courage you have, the easier it is to be more vulnerable. And I'm going to speak more about why vulnerability is so important. So finishing the paragraph and quoting again, we created communities, took political power, changed laws, endured the horrors of a plague made worse by society's neglect and animosity, opened hearts and minds and changed the prevailing social climate towards homosexuality in much of the Western world. This striking act of bravery, taken individually and collectively, changed the course of history. Yeah! Woohoo! <laughs> I love that. That's such an empowering paragraph by Ray, and it makes me feel very proud to be a gay man. It makes me feel very proud to have been part of some of the protests and organizing and 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 political active activity that I uh, took part in over the years and that I'm still doing this to this day proudly and openly and bravely and courageously and often with one hell of a lot of vulnerability because I'm online I'm open I speak my mind I ain't perfect. I sometimes make mistakes, but I have made the choice to be as vulnerable and open as possible as an example that one, we need to be having these conversations and two, it puts a really, it puts a real face. It puts a human face on these stories, because many of these stories are my own, many of these stories are clients or friends or experiences that I know of and that I've read about. So coming back to vulnerability and the gay community and the LGBT community <clears throat> and where we're going and why this is so important and why we can be cleansers of shame. Now, there's a hell of a lot of shame in the world right now for how people feel or are made to feel that they're not good enough, or they're not this, or they're not Republican, or they're not Democrat, or they're not liberal, or they don't have enough money. Um, vulnerability and the openness to vulnerability requires trust. And trust has to be built up over time. So if you meet someone brand new, simple example, let's say you go out on a date, and 
in the first five minutes, you tell them that you just suffered a horrible breakup and that this happened and then this they said this to you and you moved out and they had a twenty thousand uh, dollar credit card charge that they just left and you've been left with it and now you're like on the verge of being homeless and becoming bankrupt and 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 well that's more like dumping <laughs> it's vulnerable on one level but you're also exposing a very challenging personal moment and it's so open and vulnerable that that person could just they could go one of many ways maybe they'll be a very kind and empathetic person and listen and allow you to talk and then you'll never hear from them again <laughs> or they might be like what the fuck is wrong with you worst case scenario shaming what the fuck is wrong with you how could you have your life like this? How could you let this happen to you? This probably happened to you because you're gay. Shame, 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 shame for who you are. So within our own community, within the gay community, within the LGBTQ network, Sometimes there's a lot of defensiveness and a lot of bitchiness and a lot of anger and a lot of frustration because we are a multitude of voices that all want to be heard and will all want respect. Respect leads to trust and trust leads to vulnerability. And it's not easy. I'm not here to propose a strategy or solution other than what I'm talking about right here and right now on the individual level, level of having the courage to be vulnerable, but in gradations. And the more open you are with someone, the more you are willing to risk your story, your feelings, and your experiences, the more you share your humanity with someone else. And this is part of what I'm building into the way of living out, an approach I'm taking to not only coaching, but how we can lead ourselves as gay men and as LGBTQ people. Things like self-compassion, love, empathy, witnessing. Very core paths that we have to walk that are not linear, that allow us to demonstrate to the world qualities of humanity that are necessary to making evolutionary change. And this is the evolutionary leadership that I want to help impart, to teach, and to share with others that comes from us using our uniqueness, our difference, to make a difference. So within our own communities, we have to start with, with trust and we have to build up that trust over time because vulnerability also leads to creativity. Artists are often the most vulnerable people out there because they're putting, and you could say I'm an artist on a certain level because I'm putting out a podcast, I'm putting out writing, I'm putting out my thoughts and ideas. So maybe I'm an intellectual artist. Wow, that sounds hubristic. But anyway, um, but I risk being criticized, being judged, using a particular title for a post so that it'll attract attention and people don't want to read it the way I want them to read it, with an open mind. And that puts me on the defensive. Trust requires context. 
Trust requires history and a narrative. Trust requires that we listen to what other people know about us. So I'll go back to another example. Brene Brown talks about uh, her, her daughter was explaining to her how um, trust was built up with one of her um, best friends in school. And uh, Brene Brown has a German background and they have like uh, multiple grandparents because I think it's her second marriage. So anyway, so her daughter's friend will ask about her oma and opa, her German grandparents, and specifically knows that, knows that it's not grandma and grandpa, but knows that it's oma and opa. That says that the other girl, the friend, is paying attention to who she is. And that builds up trust because that means you're listening to me and you have respect for me. And that respect comes from a love, a like for who I am. And that's really important for more and more of us to do for each other within our community because it has to start with us first so that like skipping a rock across a beautiful flat still lake, the ripple effect, it starts first with the rock in our hand and the first few ripples are those closest to us, those in our community. So if we're attacking and jumping on and being presumptuous of what people say right away without knowing all the context, and this is very much a problem of our, our digital social media age where we we see short snippets of information and we glean and we have too much information to consume. If we if we don't slow down to listen, to observe, to take in all the content. We risk hurting, we risk shutting someone else down, we risk creating more shame, and we create this antagonistic environment amongst ourselves. Now, I'll wrap with something else Brene Brown is talking about in the Vulnerability uh, audio series about how vulnerability and joy are connected, that joy is one of the most vulnerable emotions you can have. And I was really surprised to hear this um, because joy puts you, I guess, in this moment of just, how do you describe joy, right? Think about this with me for a second. Joy is often very fleeting as an emotion. It's just a very spontaneous thing. But joy repeated a particular kind of joy repeated brings great satisfaction and and happiness in life and and even sustains one's purpose and i have a post and a podcast episode on all the little joys my gay boyfriend brings and it's important because i, I didn't even make this connection until a little while ago that all the little joys that my partner brings to me are small things like what used to bother me that he put his shoes not by the front hall closet, but by his shelf. And now I just see it as that's who he is. And I love this person. Or that most of the time he fills up my glass with water in the morning because he's the first one up. So I come downstairs and there's my glass of water. 
Now, why would I get joy from a glass of water? Because he cares. And it's the small things repeated over time, these repeated joys, that increase our love for another person, but also make us more available to be vulnerable. And love requires vulnerability. And vulnerability requires trust. And one of the ways we can practice the ability of being more vulnerable and being able to experience more joy, which will make us happier and healthier human beings so we can lead more powerfully and with ease and authentically being who we are, is to practice active gratitude. So when you are grateful for things in life, that little glass of water that my partner leaves for me every morning, the gorgeous sunny day today, the fact that while I was having a bath an hour ago, I came up with the idea for this podcast, that I pulled together so many ideas. I am so grateful for the genius that is Brene Brown, who is really helping me ground the foundations for my the way of living out that I'm creating. And just saying that right now, I felt it right inside my solar plexus, that sort of indentation in between your chest just before you get to that, well, that indentation in your chest. There's nothing else for me to say, right? Um, it. Some people will call that the heart center, but it's like I, we do experience on a physical level, on a physiological level, emotions both positive and negative. And, oh, I actually feel lighter having shared that gratitude here right now. Doing that on a regular basis. I did this with a client maybe a year and a half ago. Um, He was really having a tough time. Everything seemed down. Nothing seemed to be working. It seemed like there was no way out from under the life he was living Uh, the debt that he had, no satisfaction in his work. And I asked him in the moment, I said, you know, what, what was good that happened today? Nothing. Is there anything that you're grateful for? No. (laughs) And we worked a little bit longer and I was, I don't recall exactly. I don't think I got anything out of him uh, in that call, but I asked him if he would consider Uh, when he closes off his day and when he starts his morning just to write out whatever he's grateful for. And I gave him examples of the simplest thing. It's like, yeah, I woke up on time or I'm grateful that I got a good sleep or, you know, thank goodness it's, you know, I'm grateful for the nice weather or whatever. It took about a month Because it always depends on where you're at and how you're feeling and how those feelings are either affecting you in a positive or a negative way. But I didn't bring it up. But he wrote me out of the blue saying, this exercise is helping me. This exercise is making me feel better. So I've crossed and crisscrossed 
and circled back on a number of different paths about vulnerability and how gay men can teach the cleansing of shame. And going back to that paragraph about what gays and lesbians did coming out, no longer wearing masks and no longer hiding, by coming out, by proclaiming, by being who we are, by standing up, by demanding change and working for change politically and refusing to accept prejudice and doing everything that we need to do to make these kind of changes in society so that everyone, not just us, if there's, if there's only equality for some, there isn't equality at all. And if people are still prejudiced against, there's still hatred for individuals. There's still a better than and, and less than or worse than, and we have a ways to go. And those people who are not part of the status quo are shamed. As LGBTQ people, we are shamed by the media, by religions, and by politicians. So within our own collectives, within our own groups, within our own friend groups, within our own organizations, to build up our courage, to build up our ability to take risk and be vulnerable, utilize more empathy, the opposite of shame, start taking more risks, gradual risks with people to be more vulnerable and celebrate your wins. Be grateful for your joys because for all of us, imagine how we can lead other people who may not feel like we belong or we deserve the same rights and privileges, but who see us as being so much happier and so content and so authentically self-assured, so compassionate, so empathetic, and so willing to create and help improve the world. Most human beings, when they see that, are going to want to come along for the ride and take part. And that is how we change hearts and minds. That is how we use our difference to make a difference. So thank you for listening. And just a reminder, I would love it if you enjoy the podcast. And if you're on iTunes or a similar uh, media player to go give me a rating, give me a five-star rating. If you can leave me a review, which episode did you really like? What do you think overall about the podcast? Or head over to the episode webpage on darrensteel.com and engage with me. Leave me a comment, perhaps a suggestion. Of course, all my information is on the webpage for my Twitter handle, where I am on Facebook, and my publication, Think Queerly. Until next time, live out and live proud.